0: Well, good morning, everyone. As I just said, today we have very special guests joining us in our service, Sheldon and Anna Harmitage. They're global workers with the PAOC. They've been in Europe for 20 years doing all sorts of missions work. Anna is the associate pastor at City Church, and Sheldon is the network service director for the uh, European Freedom Network, Uh, They have three lovely daughters, and they're so amazing. Just meeting them this morning, they're so sweet. And I'm so excited to hear from them and hear what God has laid on their heart and to hear what they are uh, doing right now. So, Anna and Sheldon, if you could uh, just join me. Let's welcome them.
1: Thank you, Pastor Connie. Good morning, church. Um, I feel we're here for the first time ever, but I feel like we're f- with family. Um, I don't know if you've experienced that um, <clears throat> in many places, but first of all, we're God's family. We're, we're um, joined together uh, by Jesus, and that is that is amazing. And I can sense that this morning as I was worshiping with you, but I also feel like we're family because... We have been invited um, to come to Warden by our very, very good, long-time friends, Gabi and Werner, your Pastor Werner. And um, I'll say right away, uh, forgive me if there's an emotion (laughs) displayed, Um, but we come here with broken hearts, and we just want to say, acknowledge that we are um, grieving with you. I know that there are many broken hearts um, here this morning as you've lost your Beloved Pastor Werner, and Gabby and Werner have been friends um, between fifteen and twenty years i don 't know the exact number, but many, many years and we spent more time with them um, in Europe, uh, which has been wonderful and amazing, but we also got the privilege um, being in their home in Portland and spending some very, very precious times and Every time we were with Gabby and Werner, uh, we were enriched we were blessed. We were, we've grown uh, because both of them are amazing people. And I'm so happy that your church family got to experience and benefit and receive that gift, that, that treasure that Pastor Werner carried with himself um, in his life, in his heart. And so thank you. We want to say thank you. Thank you for having us this morning um, under very different circumstances than we originally um, imagined. But we're really grateful that we can be here with you this morning. And Sheldon will share a little more about what we do, who we are, and some of the work. Um, but I just wanted to greet you. I just wanted to say that we love you. And we stand with you and we pray for you. And it is an incredible, deep privilege to be able to be with you this morning, even though this is our first time here. And um, um, I just want to leave a little encouragement with you. Um, you know, this world is full of trouble. And uh, Jesus, when he was about to leave, depart on this earth, he was sharing that with his disciples. He was telling them and making them aware. Um, you know, in, in John sixteen thirty three, 33, um, he was telling them, preparing them for what is to happen. And he said, um, in this world, you will have trouble. And trouble has so many forms and, and faces and Loss and grief is trouble. I lost my own mom um, four months ago and um, after, after a battle with Alzheimer's and I know what loss is, I know what grief is, I know what mourning feels like. Um, but I have come to this encouragement in my own life over the last few months and um, the intense work we've been doing with, with Ukraine and, and the last few years we've all as globally, world experienced and I had to reread these words constantly. Jesus said, "But take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world." And this is what we have in common this morning and this is what we hold on to, the hope we have in Jesus. We know that even though there's trouble, even though there is loss and grief, he has overcome the world and we have hope. And so I just wanted to greet you. I just wanted to say um we feel like a part of your family already and we bless you and we pray. Uh, that the Lord continues to lead you on your journey as a church family and bless you tremendously. Thank you for having us.
2: Thank you. Um, So as you can see on the screen there, we have three daughters who are in Vancouver right now with my parents. That's where I'm originally from. Uh, Mia, the oldest, but not the tallest. That's that's the middle one, who is Livia. And then Stella, the youngest. Um, and like Anna said, coming here um, under the circumstances we were coming, part of our question was, boy, do we still talk about mission? <laughs> do we still uh, go that route? And yet we were encouraged by church leadership and even by the by the Holy Spirit just to Bring, bring that word, um, the missional word, because God cares about mission in in spite of whatever is happening around us. But we also knew that uh, Pastor Werner cared deeply about missions, and in many of our conversations with him, that was always on his heart. So we do want to share a little bit about what is happening, but also I have um, just a short word to, to you. Uh, maybe it will be an encouragement, maybe it will be a challenge, but... Um, I hope to bring that to you with some sensitivity. Um, as all good missionaries or global workers, as we're called, we do have an information prayer card that we'd love for you to take, which we'll make available afterwards. Or if you're into magnets, um, we have magnets as well, very high-tech. I know it goes on metal, and uh, it's, it's wonderful technology. Um, but we'd love for you to take that and just to pray for us. We need prayers. That's one of the things we've learned in 20 years of, of missions work is prayer, prayer, prayer. Um, is so, so important. Um, So we work with um, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada as international missionaries or global workers. Um, I also work with something called the European Freedom Network, which is an anti-trafficking and exploitation network. So we fight against human trafficking and exploitation of people in Europe. It's a huge problem all over the world, even here in Canada. And so my job is to help lead uh, the network of over 200 different Christian organizations in Europe, from Portugal to Ukraine, people working right on the, the streets with uh, traffic people all the way into politics and trying to get laws changed. Because we believe um, dignity and freedom is for everybody because we're all made in the image of God. And so that's, uh, that's the main role that I do currently right now is to help coordinate the network, make sure people are connecting and our partners are doing things that are strategic. Anna is um, the associate pastor at City Church Bratislava in Slovakia, where we live, which is right in the heart of Europe. And so she is the, um, the associate pastor, family pastor, but also in the last four months has been coordinating our Ukraine response. Uh, Because that's what's been happening in Europe (laughs) for us. And I know here in Canada, you know about this as well. But for us, this has been right on our doorstep. Um, In February, as Anna said, her Her mother passed away, and before that, um, four of us had COVID in the family, even though we were all vaccinated. Um, And then a week later, after all of this happened, Russia invades Ukraine, and we have a huge influx of refugees into our country, work we'd never been prepared for. We weren't trained to do refugee work. Um, And so what we noticed was the church responded to the need and opportunity, and really, that is what the church is called to do, aren't we? When need and opportunity are presented to us, we, um, we need to respond. So I just want to give you a little update on um, some of the ways that we've responded as a church. So if we can go to the next couple slides here. Oh, next one, please. Um, so our local church sprang into action. We had all, over half a million refugees come across our border. Um, and we're a small country of only 5 million people. So you can imagine that's uh, 10%. Of our population just swelled with with refugees. Um, and so as a church, we knew we couldn't do everything, but we said, what can we do? What can we actually do? And the first thing that we that we did was we connected with a, a, a network of Ukrainian young adults who are already working and living in our city. Isn't that amazing how God had already put people in the city? And they they'd sprung into action, and they, um, they, they had a house given to them by a businessman, and so, next slide, please. Um, and so, the first thing we did as a church was just to provide safe housing for refugees, because when you're fleeing from war, when you're when you're afraid, when you're running away, when you're leaving your husband and your father in the country because they have to stay and fight, where do you go? You need a safe place and so we we were able to help furnish this house help provide a place for up to um, 35 uh, to 40 refugees at any given moment are in the house children mothers um, senior citizens who have just left everything fleeing from war and and so that was the first thing that we we did as a church Um, we'll go to the next slide here The second one was we we actually helped arrange for people to get out of Ukraine, so when the war came, people just flooded to the border, and the, the governments didn't respond right away, but the general public did. People were driving their cars, driving their vans, renting buses to the border, picking people up and taking them wherever they wanted to go, wherever they needed to go. That's not always safe, because then people can be trafficked and exploited, but we were able to help um, coordinate some families, people we knew in Ukraine, people we'd worked with to get their, um, their families out. And so um, it's one thing to hear about people fleeing from war. It's another thing to actually have a conversation with them and see the trauma they're facing and just the, the questions and the, the, the fear. Um, and so that was another thing as a church we were able to help organize. So next slide, please. Uh, the biggest thing, though, that we've been doing is sending aid back into Ukraine. Um, so for those people who've had to stay, um, obviously there's a food security crisis, um, sanitation crisis, uh, homes have been destroyed, but but God's people are at work in Ukraine. People have been staying there and have been distributing aid to those who need it the most, and so we've been able to send back truckloads of aid. Um, we go into, like, a Costco, <laughs> and we buy tons and tons of food, and we just... You know we take it up to the cash register and it takes them a little while to scan it all, but then we load it into uh to trucks and young men drive it back into the into the country um at the risk of their own lives as well because it's still not completely safe where we send it to um able to send in other aid mattresses um You can just scroll through those those pictures there so as a church we've just you know we 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 had to respond the best way we could because The moment was there. The moment to show practical love was there. And um, like I said, this wasn't our regular jobs. (laughs) This wasn't what we were focused on as a church. And yet, in the moment, God said, okay, this is what you need to focus on. And it's been tiring. It's been exhausting. But the church itself, not just the, the leaders and the workers, but the church itself has risen up and been very generous and very open and very welcoming to our neighbors. Um, because ukraine is our neighbor and so um, we do other things but right now that's been kind of the main thing that we've been focused on and so we're exhausted we've come here very tired um, but we have a good team still doing that work in ukraine And, and that's that's a bit of the challenge maybe for all of us is when the opportunity comes church are we ready to respond are we ready to sacrifice are we ready to say you know what we're going to put some other things aside right now because real people need real help right now are we going to show dignity are we going to show people love and compassion Um, and maybe they stay for a long time and become part of our community or as we've seen maybe they move on other places but in their journey to safety and in their journey to to peace have they experienced Christ along the way that's that's sometimes the best we can do is people aren't going to stay long, but when they stay with us, they can experience the love and the and the grace of Christ. So please keep praying, keep praying for Ukraine. Uh, it's not necessarily the front page news anymore, but it's still raging on. People are still dying. People are still being displaced. Um, we don't know when it's going to end. And um, so pray for pray for us. Pray for those who are in Ukraine helping others. Um, they need. They need it, and um, as maybe Ukraine refugees come to Canada, because Canada has opened up its its doors, and maybe you will interact with some of them. Understand that there is a lot of trauma, there is a lot of pain, there is a lot of um, uncertainty, and just just embrace, just welcome, just be a place of hospitality for them. Um, so I did have something else prepared that I wanted to uh, to share with you, and I hope that you'll in Indulge me for for a few for a few minutes um, as a as a global worker, as a missionary, obviously, we always want to come and share a, a mission sermon right and I can hear some of you in the back of your mind saying, "Oh, not another mission sermon right." Not a sermon about places I don't know about and people I don't care about and things I'll never do, right? It's not going to be like that, okay? I promise. I promise it's not going to be like that. Um, this is more of a story. It's a, it's a missional story, and we all like stories, right? Hopefully. Um, but the main point of this is God is gracious to us. God is gracious to us even when we are at our worst, right? Because God wants to be gracious through us to a lost world, so God is gracious to us, so that He can be gracious through us to a lost world. Um, how many of you like awards shows? You know, like yeah, sometimes some of them are good. Like the Nobel Nobel Prize, yeah, right? That's a good one. Uh, the Oscars, that's okay, I guess. The NHL awards, right? The awards celebrate the best of the best in humanity or in a, a certain field. And there's lots of awards shows out there. Um, there's also awards that celebrate the worst of the worst, if you, if you can believe that. Um, things like the Darwin Awards or the Golden Raspberry Award, which celebrates the worst movie of the year, the worst actor of the year. You don't want that award. So that got me thinking, as a global worker, I wonder if we have missionary awards. Or if we had missionary awards, who would win them? And so... Um, I looked in the Bible, and I, and I found the, the, the missionary who'd win the best missionary award, and that's clearly the Apostle Paul, right? Most miles traveled, most churches planted, most sermons given, most books of the New Testament written, right? Paul, best missionary ever. But then, who's the worst missionary? Because there is a worst missionary in the Bible, and that award would go to Jonah, Okay, Jonah is a short little book, four chapters in the Old Testament. Why is Jonah the worst missionary ever? Well, first off, he was a prophet to one of the worst kings of Israel, and you can read about that in 2 Kings, and he prophesied that this king would be successful. Then God calls Jonah and says, Jonah, go to Nineveh, and Jonah says, no, and goes the opposite direction. It says that Jonah goes to Tarshish, which wasn't just a geographical place, but it was like an idiom of the time, a phrase, which meant, I'm going to go to the ends of the earth. I'm going to go to outer Mongolia. I'd rather go there than go to where God is calling me. Okay, so Jonah runs away to the ends of the earth. Then he's on this boat. He's on a cruise. And all of a sudden, this storm hits. And everyone's trying to save the boat. They're trying to save each other's lives. And where do we find Jonah? Jonah's asleep. Jonah would rather sleep than help people who are in mortal danger, okay? Great missionary. Um, then they wake him up and they say, how can you be sleeping at a time like this? And they find out that it's Jonah's fault somehow, that the storm is here, and they say, who are you? And he says, oh, yeah, I worship, uh, I worship Yahweh, the God of the sea and the land. You're trying to run away from the God of the sea on the sea. Not very smart. Um, so he's put everybody in danger as well, right? So he's disobedient, he's lazy, he's put everybody in danger. And finally he says, and we think this is a real act of sacrifice, throw me in the water and all of this will go away. And we all, very sacrificial Jonah, well done. But what Jonah is saying is I would rather drown than go to Nineveh, right? That's what he's saying, just throw me in the water, get this over with. I'd rather drown than go to Nineveh. So chapter one, that's chapter one in a nutshell, worst missionary ever. But wait, there's more. Chapter 2, he gets swallowed up by a fish, right? And he has this lovely prayer in chapter 2, and you can read it at home. And, it's, and, and we think, oh, well, look, Jonas had a change of heart. But if you notice, there's nothing in that prayer where Jonas says, I was wrong. There's nothing where he confesses. There's nothing where he repents. All of the prayer is, is God, save me. I'm in a whale. If you save me, God, I will worship you. Like bargaining with God kind of thing. But remember, the point of the story is, God is gracious to us, even when we're at our worst. And we get to the end of chapter 2, and God, in his humor, vomits Jonah up out of the whale probably not a great entrance, um, and gives him a second chance. So chapter 3, God calls Jonah, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And this time, Jonah says, fine, I'm going. Okay, so he goes, but then he gives the bare minimum to God. If you notice, his sermon is the worst sermon ever. In Hebrew, it's five words long. In English, it's Nineveh, time's up. Like, that's it. 40 days, Nineveh's going to be destroyed. And it's this big city. Nineveh's like this three-day-long city you've got to walk through. He only does one day's journey through. Time's up, Nineveh, you're going to be destroyed. Nothing about how they can change, nothing about who God is, nothing about how they can be saved. Just, Nineveh, sorry, time's up. Okay? So, disobedient, lazy, uncaring, bare minimum. Worst missionary ever. But wait, there is more. We get to chapter 4, and this is where we see why Jonah really is the worst missionary. Chapter 4 verse 1 says this. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. Okay. We need to pause there for a moment. Why did Jonah, why was Jonah greatly displeased and become angry? If you read the last part of chapter 3, Jonah does the bare minimum, right? Nineveh, you're going to be destroyed. And then he leaves the city. What happens? There is a revival in the city. Literally, a revival breaks out. From the lowest person in the street all the way to the king in, on his throne, everyone's like, oh my goodness, Nineveh's going to be destroyed. Let's fast. Let's pray. Let's confess. Even The, the king himself says, even the animals are going to fast. Like That's how serious they are. A revival breaks out in Nineveh. And Jonah hears about this and he's angry that this has happened. Okay? He does the bare minimum. He's disobedient, he runs away from God, and yet he has 100% success in missions. Like figure that one out, right? Worst missionary ever. But look at what he look at why Jonah's angry. And we get a clue as to why he never wanted to go to Nineveh. Often the story is told that he's afraid and the Ninevites are really bad, angry people. But look, look at what verses 1 to 3 say. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. <laughs> like, that's the reason Jonah never wanted to go, because he knew God was going to save the Ninevites. Jonah would rather live in a world where His enemies are not loved, saved, and blessed by God than if they are. Amazing, right? He's basically saying to God, I do not want to live in a world, God, where you show love to my enemies. Let that sink in for a minute. I would rather live in a world, God, where my enemies perish than you actually be who you are to them. Because... See, he's got the right theology about God. He says, I knew that you were gracious and compassionate. I knew that you were loving. I knew that you, would, you wouldn't send calamity if the Ninevites really knew who you were. That's why I didn't want to go to them. He has the right theology about God, but he's not acting like God, right? He knows the right stuff, but even knowing the right stuff doesn't transform his heart or his actions, and the rest of chapter 4 is just this funny little story where we see that Jonah's more concerned about a vine growing over his head than he is about God destroying a, a city of over 150,000 people. And the book ends, and this is the really interesting thing about the book. The book ends with a question. God says, Jonah, you're so concerned about this little plant that you know, lives and, and died and you don't even know how to take care of it properly. Should I not be more concerned about this great city? Like, get some perspective, Jonah. Get some perspective on life. And so, Jonah ends with a question. And so, I just want to end today with with a couple of few questions here. As I was reading this, these were the questions that the Holy Spirit started to poke at me. Don't you just love it when you read the Bible and the Holy Spirit starts to poke you a little bit and say, Hey, pay attention. This is you. Number one, who is my Nineveh? Who would I rather see judged and perish than loved, saved, and blessed by God? Who would I rather run away from than be like Jesus and run towards? And to be honest, right now, for me, it's Russia. (laughs) Just because we've seen what the devastation of the war has been. And we've seen the aggression, and we've seen lives absolutely shattered, and In my own human heart, I do not have any good feelings right now (laughs) towards that nation. I know it's not the whole nation, but you understand what I'm saying, right? I'd rather see judgment than salvation come. Because of what has happened. But it doesn't need to be a nation. It could be, it could be a political group that's different than yours. It could be a social group that you don't agree with. It could be your neighbor who plays loud music at 1130 at night that you can't stand. Who do we just hate so much that we'd rather run from God than follow Jesus into mission? That we'd rather see them suffer than saved? The second question... Where is there a disconnect between my head and my heart? What do I believe about God but refuse to live out? Right? Right beliefs are only right when they're lived out through a cross-shaped life. In our current climate, in our current situation, people need to see a church. They need to see Christ followers in action that really believe in things like grace and compassion and, and mercy and empathy, and not just say that it does. Right? Jonah knew all the right things about God, and yet that's what made him run away from God because there was a disconnect between his head and his heart. So, where's that disconnect happening in my own life? Who's discipling me? Where am I getting my values from right now? How am I living that out? And final question here is, what am I willing to give my life for? See, four time, three or four times in the chapter 4, Jonah says, I'd rather not live right now because I'm so angry, God. You saved the Ninevites. My little plant died. I'm so angry. He uses that phrase. I'm so angry I could die because my plant is dead. <laughs> Come on. And yet, we are all going to give our lives for something. We're we're all giving our lives to something right now. And what's it going to be? Is it going to be outrage and entitlement, or is it going to be for the good of others? Can we imagine living in a world where others are blessed? Like, truly, other people are blessed. Their lives are blessed. Their lives are flourishing. They are enjoying just what God has created for them to enjoy, but it costs us everything. But it cost us everything. Like I said, we all give our lives to something. Family, work, pleasure. But Jesus calls us. Not just as missionaries, but for all of you here in in the Toronto area. Jesus calls us to take up our cross. To lose our lives in order to follow him and to actually gain our lives. Because that's the hope that we really have in following Jesus. It's not that just we just sacrifice, sacrifice and lose our lives, but in the story of Jesus, he sacrificed himself. He lost his life, but what did he, what happened? Resurrection. Hope. A new life. Right? And that is what Jesus is calling all of us to today. That's what God was calling Jonah to. See a bigger picture. See me in action. And that's just the challenge that I want to put out to all of us to myself included should we not be concerned about the lost the weak the poor but also the enemy the ones who we don't agree with the ones who may ridicule and persecute us but for whom Christ also died and wants to welcome into his family so I hope that didn't ruin the story of Jonah for you (laughs) if you really love it but just think about those three questions. Who is my Nineveh? Where is there a disconnect between my head and my heart? And what am I willing to give my life for? Can I pray? And then I'll hand back to uh, the worship team. Lord, thank you that you are gracious to us because you want to be gracious to the world around us. Help us, Lord, to be obedient. And even when we're not obedient, Lord, help us to listen to the gentle voice of your spirit leading us back in the ways you want us to walk. Lord, I pray blessing upon this church as it continues to walk through heavy times and moments of of their own pain and grief, Lord. I pray that you would, though, continue to bless them with a missional heart, a heart that aches for the lost, a heart that reaches out to those who are suffering around them, Lord. Give them a new sense of empathy and compassion for the world around them. And Lord, I pray that um, they would run towards those who are lost. They would follow you, Jesus, into the darkness so that they can bring the light of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you. Sorry, I just had to say something before we worship. I think the Best Missionary Award 2022 goes to Sheldon and Anna Armitage. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for being here with us this morning. Uh, we've been in the midst of a, a sermon series called Inspired. And I think nothing inspires us more than people's stories. And you've inspired us this morning to be a light in this community and in our world so thank you so much and i just like to quickly pray for you as well um if you will, at all stand with me and if you just reach your hands out towards this precious couple um, let's just pray together and join our hearts god we just thank you thank you for sheldon and anna and their family god i just pray your continued blessing upon their lives that you would just help them as they endeavor all the things you put on their hearts to do god give them the strength give them the resources give them the people power that they need to minister and to reach out to all the people that they are overseeing and what they're doing. God, I just pray that you would minister to them today. Refresh them, God. I know they're tired. I know it's been a long, long, hard number of years even god and i just pray that you would just continue to give them strength and encourage them let them know that they are deeply loved and i know they're also grieving with us lord and i just pray that you would comfort them as they've lost their friend as well as we've lost our friend and pastor. So I pray that you would be with them, be with their children, God. Let your protection be upon them. And as they reach out to Ukraine, God, and in Slovakia and all over Europe, God, whatever they do, I pray that it will be blessed. And that you would help the people of Ukraine. God, I pray that you will, your will would be done. Lord, I just ask that you would just continue to help us as a church to reach out to our community. To our world, Lord, with Your love, and I just thank You and ask all these things in Jesus' name, Amen.
1: If You just continue.